Ensemble 74 presents How Can We All Make It Into the Future, a 74 podcast series. On the podcast, we discuss the global pandemic we're currently facing and how it'll reshape our reality and society with opinion leaders and creative minds from all over the world. Let's explore together what the future might bring for us. Hi everyone, welcome to another episode of 74 Podcast. This is Ashalik Deng, the communications assistant at Istanbul 74. Today our guest is Gail Albert Halepin. Based in New York, Gail Albert Halepin is an American artist born in Washington, D.C. Her interest in photography began when she made a pinhole camera for her first grade science fair. Though her equipment has become more complex, her love of photography has never wavered. She attended the Rhode Island School of Design, Brown University, Yale University, from which she received a Master of Fine Arts in Photography. She has been published widely, including The New Yorker, New York Times Magazine, and other leading publications. Numerous galleries around the world have shown her work with her primary representation at the Edwin Hoop Gallery in New York City. Her third monograph was recently published by the Aperture Foundation in spring 2019. Besides working on her artwork, she teaches in the Medical Humanities Department at Columbia University. Hi Gail, thank you for joining us today. Hi, thanks so much for having me. As pretty much everything changing in our lives now, how do you find yourself adapting to the new normal? How are you spending your time? Can you tell us about things that have changed in your personal life? It's actually really funny because before this, I had begun a project about quiet New York and trying to find the moments of solitude and um, meditative places mm-hmm. in the city. So when the quarantine happened, the lockdown happened, it sort of accelerated that project. So I'm embracing the quiet and the isolation because it's something that's so rare to mm-hmm. have in the city. Um, so that's been good. Um, I mean, I'm very lucky. I Nobody in my family mm-hmm. is sick and I haven't really had to experience the difficulty that many people are experiencing. So for me, the new normal has been somewhat okay. Um, my kids are home and homeschooling, so that's very mm-hmm. busy. We're trying to get exercise in our not very mm-hmm. big apartment. Um, but I do have a dog, so that forces me to go out every day and walk the dog mm-hmm. a few times. And I am trying to photograph this this moment of quiet um, as mm-hmm. it lasts. So you take your photographs on your walks or from your home? On my walks. So in New York City, we're allowed to still go outside for walk. Um, we have to keep social distancing, but we are allowed to go out and walk. So I am photographing uh-huh. while I walk. Uh, that brings me to your other project, actually, that has been going on for so many years at my window. Um, also, I think in these big cities like New York City and Istanbul, we were just going about our day without really forming a connection between our neighbors. Um, do you think after this period, how this paradox of urban societies living so close but not really interacting with each other, do you think this will transform into something more meaningful or do you think we will be further apart from each other and also your project out my window is actually tackles about the 
concept of being neighbors. So how do you think your the nature of your project will change? Um, so just for a little background, so for out my window, I photograph one neighbor who looks into yeah. their neighbor's windows. I always ask them to go meet mm -hmm. their neighbors mm -hmm. first. Um, so I'm forging a connection. So I do feel like there is this isolation in the city, but my project kind of mm -hmm. fixed that in a way. Um, during this process, during the lockdown, I've had a lot of friends call me and say, I see my neighbors out the window all the time now, tell me how to photograph. And I've been supporting friends and teaching them how to do the process from a technical mm -hmm. point of view, but they can't go meet their neighbors. Um, and that's a little frustrating to people because they're like, I look at these people, they've been keeping me company, they're helping me get through this isolation. I want to meet them now. So I think more after this isolation from each other, we're going to crave connecting with our neighbors. I live in an apartment building um, of about 16 people, 16 apartments, and my neighbors have been the thing that's gotten me through this. Like one neighbor buys me peanut butter, another neighbor brings the trash down to the lobby, to the sidewalk. Um, so the neighbors have become really, really important. And I think when we're close to home and stuck at home, we acknowledge our neighbors much more. So I do think that's going to be a positive that comes mm -hmm, out of mm -hmm. this. So I think um, you also said that, you know, while looking through our windows, we, you know, there is a difference between looking and, you know, like um, seeing and knowing uh, the reality of what we see. And can you explain uh, this a bit? Because I think it's very important that, you know, we create some stories. And as we are spending more time in our homes, you know, mostly looking through our windows, we see the world like that. What do you think, you know, the most important about this uh, period that resonates with that as well? Looking, seeing and knowing what is going on and imagining and creating stories about the things we see through our windows. So I think it's really interesting right now in this time where we can see our neighbors but not connect with them, that our imagination becomes more important. So for example, last night I was helping a friend of my daughter's photograph out her window and teaching her how to do it. And she was so interested in figuring out what are they having for dinner across the way? And um, it looked like the kids were doing the laundry and not the parents. And that surprised her. And she started to really like wonder and be curious about these people and sort of make up stories. And I think in our isolation, those stories become so essential. We can't know our neighbors, but if we start to imagine stories, we connect with them and we have more empathy for each other. So I think this idea of imagination is the only way we can get to know other people right now. And it slows down your looking. And if you start to look slowly and carefully at people, you're going to understand humanity in a deeper way. It becomes much less much less isolating if we um, start to imagine and make up stories about the people across mm -hmm. the way. In Turkey also, the you know, tradition of being 
neighbors, it's quite actually important. But now I see that, you know, the this thing now here, maybe it happens there too. I'm not sure. From your window, you kind of, you bring down uh, like a basket. People put their food in it. If you're, if you know, you need something, you know, this was a long old tradition, but it came back. Yeah, we don't have that tradition. <laughs> that does not... I saw that when I was yeah. in Istanbul, and that is not a tradition yeah. here. And it actually always surprises yeah. me because in certain neighborhoods here, people have to walk up six or seven yeah. floors in their yeah. apartment. Yeah. It would make such a yeah. great idea. Um, but no, we, New York neighbors, I think, are very uh -huh. different than neighbors in uh -huh. Istanbul. Um, New Yorkers, often we don't acknowledge our neighbors. Mm -hmm. So um, even though every New Yorker looks into their neighbor's window and it's a very big thing in popular culture, like Seinfeld talked mm -hmm. about it. Even though we all do it, we kind of pretend mm -hmm. we don't. And we pretend we are giving our neighbors privacy. So there's a big, been a big change in the architecture since I started this project and there's a lot more glass apartment mm -hmm. buildings and people are performing in their windows for the passerbys. Mm -hmm. Like there's just no other way to think mm -hmm. about it because they have their lights on, they have their shades up, they have these big mm -hmm. glass windows. Um, but we pretend like we're not looking mm -hmm. at each other. But I have found in doing this project when people take that step and acknowledge that they're looking at their neighbors, connections form mm -hmm. and community mm -hmm. is built. Um, but we don't have that sense of community, mm -hmm. I think, mm -hmm. that I saw when I was in yeah, Istanbul. Yeah, I see. So I think your Out My Window project, you know, kind of now evolved into a quarantine edition as well. So was it the one you were telling earlier, like you direct people from afar? How does it work? So um, it's ironic in my apartment building now even though my windows inspired this whole project because I live in a wholesale business district I live in the flower uh -huh. district I don't actually see any neighbors out uh -huh. my window um so I've done two things in response to that to kind of continue working one is I am asking a lot of friends what they're seeing out their window because I do get a lot of comfort and sense of belonging by seeing what people are seeing out their window. So I've been asking people to just tag me on Instagram when they see things out their window, or I've been teaching people how to do the project technically mm -hmm. successfully. So that's one thing. And then the opposite is I'm really interested in how people make communities. So I'm looking at places that are normally gathering places that are empty of people right now um, and all walking distance to my apartment. So it's a very, like I said, a very much a business district mm -hmm. that seems empty of the people that give it a sense of place. So that's the other project mm -hmm. I'm doing. So mm -hmm. right are now. you planning to, you know, like compile them in a book or Will you do it an online uh, presentation or an exhibition? I love books personally, and that's always my goal because mm -hmm. I feel like a book is really permanent. Um, right now, I've been turning to look at like some old history of photography books like Atje or Benice Abbott. 
Um, and I like the painter Edward Hopper and those have been really inspiring. And I feel like if my goal was just to put something online or on Instagram there, there's something very ephemeral about that. Mm -hmm. Um, so I'm really interested always in creating books. Mm -hmm. Um, and I love exhibitions. I love when my pictures are in a city that, that has never seen them before and they're on the wall. So Books and exhibitions are usually my mm -hmm, goal. Mm -hmm. You've been doing like like 15 years now, this project. Can you tell us a story that stuck with you the most, you still remember to this day? Well, my favorite story of the entire project happened, gosh, I feel like it must be two years now, mm -hmm. um, where I was photographing. As I said, I always ask people, if they'll be in the picture. And also if there's somebody I don't want to be in the picture mm -hmm. is in the frame, I'll ask them to move. So if I'm photographing a window and I see somebody who is not supposed to be part of that, I'll, I'll mm -hmm. ask them to step away. So I was in Rome, I was photographing mm -hmm. across Piazza Navona and there was this girl wearing really bright, like orange yellow pants, and it was so distracting for the frame, even though she was beautiful, like I really didn't want her in the picture. So I asked my assistant to go to the piazza and ask her to move. And she has her headphones on and she's writing in her journal and she doesn't look up and she ignores him. And he's persistent. And finally she looks up and their eyes meet. And they have barely been apart. He was an actor in Rome and has become a painter, given up acting. Just reminds me so much that this project really is about making that step of connection, just going and talking to somebody that you see. And that can really lead to life changed. I mean, he was a single guy and now they're so definitely going to be together for the rest of their lives. That's actually a really fascinating story, like from fairy tale. Yeah, and they're perfect for each other. <laughs> and they look amazing together. And... So as you said, you know, I want you to actually talk about a bit of your art photography, you know, as you said, it connects people. It's like uh, capturing life. And you have really meticulous uh, direction in your photography. Can you tell us about your perspective to photography and elaborate on your art as well? So um, I am a bit of a control freak when it comes to the technique of photography. I believe in the technical aspects. I think you can tell a much better story if you use... Uh, technique to tell it well. Um, so format view camera or a high resolution digital camera when I'm traveling. And the pictures are all lit and staged so that the people I am photographing know exactly the moment I'm photographing them. So they're directed. And that has two purposes. One, I feel like I can tell a more interesting story if I'm direct to the moment. And those directions are what the neighbors see. So if a neighbor sees something interesting in the apartment, that's what I will recreate. So directing serves that purpose, but it also serves of acknowledging that I'm not just a voyeur, but I am connecting with the neighbor. 
So if you look carefully in some of my pictures, you'll see clues that I'm there. Um, in a few pictures, I actually appear, like I'll run across, I'll set a self timer and I'll run across the street and be in the picture or I'll make my light stand obvious or my, so the idea that I am physically present when I am photographing is a big part of the work. Um, so that's what's different when I'm directing other people to photograph is they don't have necessarily the technical obsession that I have. Um, so I try to photograph so that the inside and the outside light balances perfectly. So I light the interiors to create that balance so that the pictures are really the moment I photographed and the moment I see. And then I work with really incredible photographic printers to make large scale um, photographs like they're about 50 by 60 inches. Mm -hmm. So you never, I never zoom, zoom in, right? My pictures are always with a normal. And the idea is that I'm trying to capture the view. So what inspires you the most when you're, you know, going through this creative process? You know, I think the most inspiring thing to me is wherever I go in the world, I feel like I see people's lives who are similar to my own. Like I remember there being one apartment I photographed in Istanbul and it was a beautiful apartment, incredible designers. Um, and it was just so beautiful. But then mom and the daughter standing in the mom holding the daughter. And I had a little kid at the same time. And so I connected with her. I mm -hmm. felt like even though her life was so different than mine in this other country and like this glamorous style and she's just absolutely beautiful person. But we had this one thing in common of like this moment of mother and child that was similar. And wherever I go, I feel like I find things that feel familiar, that feel like my life. And so no matter where we are, how different we are in our homes, we have a lot in common. So let me ask you a wider question. As a photographer that has been doing this for so many years, you know, what do you think about the future of photography? Like in terms of the format, the stuff we are taking, uh, you know, the materials, the cam cameras, you know, what, what is the difference, do you think? And also, do you think there's like a sentiment, you know, when you press a shutter uh, rather than just take it on your smartphone? I mean, it's interesting, actually, because I just finished teaching. I teach at Columbia Medical School. I teach um, first-year medical students photography as part of the medical humanities program. And normally, I would mm -hmm. lend my students cameras. But they all mm -hmm. had to leave campus in a rush, and I wasn't able to get them cameras. So they all did the class with their smartphone. And I think mm -hmm. I had the prejudice before the class that you don't, people don't tend to use a smartphone in a deliberate way to make a photograph. But these students definitely changed me in that they were very slow and deliberate and worked the way photographers would work. So I think whatever tools we have access to, if we think like photographers or think like artists and slow down and look carefully, the tools don't matter that much. The tools determine the aesthetic, like what the picture will look like, like 
a hundred megapixel digital camera is different than a smartphone. Um, so the tools matter, mm -hmm. but I do think there has been this democratization of photography that everybody can have access to it, which I think is exciting in a world where I think we're going to have to travel less. Like my hope had been to go to India for this project and Japan for the project. I don't see that I'm going to be able to do that anytime soon. Um, so to know that I can be inspired by and look at pictures from all over the world is exciting. I think there's a larger role for curators and critics for us to be able to like weed through it. There's a lot of really bad stuff on social media and Instagram. Um, mm -hmm. But I do mm -hmm. think some of these tools can open the world that right now is feeling very closed. So it's exciting to me that we have these tools. I mean, I still prefer mm -hmm. personally to use a really good camera and make really good prints. Um, but mm -hmm. I think these other tools can fuel our imagination in an important way. Most of the time on social media, you know, we see very pretty things, very beautiful things. Do you think like photography has that kind of an approach like to perfectionism? Yeah, I mean, I've always been interested in sort of the cracks in the perfectionism. Like I had this whole other series called The Stage of Motherhood where I photographed these beautiful women in these mm -hmm. beautiful places and then kind of show the chaos of daily life. So that's always been something that's interested me. And I don't think that mm -hmm. has had enough of a presence in our collective consciousness. And I think this trend towards beautifying everything can lead us to feel isolated. Because if I'm looking at a picture where everybody's having this beautiful, perfect life and I'm stuck in lockdown in a major city, that causes some anxiety. Mm -hmm. So... Um, I do think there will mm -hmm. be this opening up to like, let's talk about what's really happening and not just beautifying it. And I've actually, again, noticed this with mm -hmm. my students. There's this one medical student who started this blog called Faces of the Frontline, where she's photographing frontline mm -hmm. workers and getting their stories. Um, and it's so mm -hmm. important and it's such essential work and really telling the story of what's going on now. And though she's a great mm -hmm. photographer and her website is aestheticly beautiful, she doesn't overly aestheticize the portraits. They're about the reality. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there's work like that happening right now that I think is important. And it's always been important to me. So I'm hoping that becomes more mm -hmm. of a cultural trend. So, you know, the documentation of this, you know, visually documenting this process, this period, also very important so do you have any other suggestions that we might you know be out look for any photographers you really appreciate their work in terms of like documenting this process so i right think now? it's important to not look to like don't edit what we're looking at right now and just look at all the different things that are coming out um, because I think we need time to reflect on it. So I'm just trying to look at everything I can. Mm -hmm. But what I think is the most interesting are the artists who are sort of looking at the world beyond their own quarantine. So there are some photographers mm -hmm. who are doing a lot of self-portraits and like 
um, about their own lives. I, I personally find I'm more interested in the photographs that are about the city or the community or about the worker, the frontline workers. Um, the New York Times did a beautiful photo essay. I think it was Eugene Richards photographing um, nurses. And that mm-hmm. that's really interesting to me, to photograph the people who are really making a difference in the world right now, I think is the most exciting thing to just acknowledge these heroes and um, cement them in our history forever. Because I think a lot of us are surviving because other people are going to work and saving lives. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. So this was a great, great talk. Thank you for joining us today, Gail. It was really, really great pleasure to have you. We hope that we'll be joining in Istanbul and New York foreseeable future. Looking forward to seeing (laughs) some people in real life soon. Getting on an airplane again. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us.